change is always evolving. So when you make a strategy in November, definitely it has set direction, right? But by March, things might have changed. So it's not to say that strategies need to be completely overhauled, but there needs to be a flexibility, an adoption to that strategy. This segment draws inspiration from some of Uganda's practicing marketers, inventions and creative projects across all sectors that share stories and change brand narratives. According to the approved index, Uganda is one of the fastest growing working age population with the most entrepreneurs per capita in the entire world. We have Samantha Nian Chawa to talk to us about a coherent strategy for startups. And honestly, we can never have enough conversations about strategy if we're really going to achieve a middle-class status by 2040. She'll also tell us about a training that the Innovation Village is facilitating on strategy. If you didn't know about her, she is the Future Lab lead and has experience and skills in innovation strategy, research and development with strong insights in promoting Uganda's startup community. And also, if you've listened to our previous episode with Anne Whitehead, you know by now that strategy comes after research. Without further ado, I'm your host, Aggie Patricia Turome, a communications strategist with 8020 Marketing. Thank you so much for reaching out to us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Your feedback is amazing and it really does help us grow and bring you the topics that you guys really want more of. Welcome to the podcast, Samantha. Thank you. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Four years ago, the World Bank showed that Uganda's labor force grew at a compound rate of 3.8 in the past five years. That was 2017. So tell us a little bit about the state of Uganda's overemphasized level of innovation. All right. Of course, in terms of being an entrepreneurial country and growing startups, entrepreneurs are ready in addressing challenges that are in our society. So the more challenges that we have, then of course, there's a greater need to develop solutions. And then that breeds entrepreneurship. However, of course, in the same report, they're probably saying that the infant mortality rate, so meaning that whereas there is many entrepreneurs, survival of business is one to two years. Of course, now there is, I think, the term overemphasized. As much as we have entrepreneurs, is that the maturity rate is quite low. And then that's where... The Innovation Village comes in, as well as other entrepreneurship support organizations, in trying to address that challenge as how can we enable startups, entrepreneurs to thrive in this environment. Even just to add on, it's also not just entrepreneurship, it's also about current corporates, because right now the world of work is changing. The innovation market is very promising, despite the lack of maturity. And we can also see that investors are starting to also switch from just investing in agriculture, which as of 2010 was around 31%. As far as 2019, it's 21% of the GDP. That's agriculture. So we now see that the economy is moving to a more diversified but as well as also investments switching to technologies, then that's where we also hear the birth of startups. And what sectors do most of these startups fall? Based on the innovation village and the work that we have done through the various projects, we have seen more startups in finance and agriculture. That's the biggest platform. And rightly so, because one, again, most of our economy 
if you look at lower income, we survive on agriculture. So in addressing all those gaps in agriculture, and that's why we see more ag techs, but also financial inclusion within our country. Okay, that makes sense. So just for the benefit of our listeners, what's creativity? That's a good question. Many people are, okay, not many people actually, actually a unique sort of people are creative. How do you now take that creativity and make it sustainable? Now making it sustainable is that process and it's not a straight path. There are so many that need to be tied in place to bring that idea into reality and then you have to then sustain that reality but always ensuring that that idea is still relevant to why it was also created but is it also relevant continuously things keep changing again now all that is innovation and I think strategy structure resources processes measurements all those are needed in order to sustain an innovation What are the priorities that organizations need to strategize? Of course, without a strategy one, there's no clear path on the focus areas for an organization or even for a business, and then even disseminating that through your people. The priorities, from what I shared earlier, is yes, a strategy is needed, but within a strategy, the other key components have to be thought about, which is what is the structure needed to bring that strategy to life, then what are the resources? And resources are not just financial, it's talent, education. Then what are the resources needed in that structure to support the strategy? Then what processes are going to be established within the resources to support the structure and the strategy? And then finally, accountability, measurements. So how do we ensure that the strategy is being measured right? And in all that, we are keeping accountability for what we set out to do. And as you mentioned before, there are a number of mushrooming hubs in Kampala. Are these hubs providing programs to build sustainable and scalable businesses to facilitate growth and development for their different industries? Let's start with the Innovation Hub. The Innovation Village has taken an ecosystem model. We're seeing the gaps in entrepreneurship, which are around talent investment, then, as you said, building these businesses, and then convening entrepreneurs to share ideas. That's the model that the village has taken to then tap and address those different challenges. Why that is, is because the level of maturity in our ecosystem is still low. So you find that addressing just one need is not enough. We need to see how to build up all. So if it's investment through the 97 fund, right? Then if it's venture building, business support through our ventures team, then our community team, which brings together entrepreneurs to share what's going on and how entrepreneurs can tap into the different opportunities. And then you have, of course, Future Lab, which is also working with corporates to better understand how what challenges within their organizations, but then also enable startup corporate collaboration. So still saying that, you know, with innovations happening all around us, how can corporates tap into that and create mutually beneficial relationships with entrepreneurs? So that's the approach that the Innovation Village has taken. And even with motive in then the creatives in the arts. But of course, I believe that with the resources that are available, the hubs are doing what they can. But there's also a greater need to invest in education 
because then this will enable us to take it to the next level. The Center for Development Alternatives argues the same, that beyond physical infrastructure, firms thrive or entrepreneurs thrive when they operate within an ecosystem, which does make sense. Then also apart from the skills and mindsets as challenges, what are the deep structural issues that need to be tackled, in your opinion, to achieve a a higher productivity? From my experience with working with entrepreneurs, I call myself a missionpreneur and not an entrepreneur. Working with entrepreneurs, of course, as you said before, like creativity can happen as businesses are looking for investments. There are different questions that investors are looking at. And it's very quick for us to say that people don't understand our ideas or that with creativity, you also have to understand the pain process and how to address feedback that is being given. It's not an easy ride. And I commend all entrepreneurs because it's not an easy journey. But if we look at those that have gone out of the fog, we see that addressing, not just addressing mindset, but you know, mindset also leads to different things like um, mindset affects processes. Mindset affects how you lead. It affects core things that are needed for your business. Understanding that one self-leadership in terms of understanding what you need to do to take your business to the next level and then working together. And I think also that's why the village tries to bring the different platforms, which is community. How can entrepreneurs share so that they understand that these challenges are not just one dimensional, they happen across, but then finding solutions together. But it's a tricky one because even the ecosystem is not enabling that in terms of mentorship. And I commend the 40-day mentor program with Robert Kabushenga. And you find that's a great platform, but now you find that these entrepreneurs are also getting that individualized mentorship from successful people because those guys are the ones who can be able to guide this next generation, but also getting something in return, which is if a good investment is made in a good business and mentorship is provided, there are vast returns that can be got by investing in that business startup. Do you think our economy can grow on this micro-entrepreneurship? Or in your opinion, what should government do or what government regulations hinder this ecosystem growth that you'd advise on? There is more need, of course, to work and support bodies that are already doing what they're doing. We started off by talking about the innovation hubs. There are a number of entrepreneurship support organizations that are supporting businesses to grow. There is no need to reinvent the wheel in terms of let's also start our own, but how can we support these organizations to scale, to support more and to even better support? So that's one. But of course, there are others in terms of regulation as startups are entering certain sectors. It's also relevant for startups to understand government priorities and what they're looking at. But then of course, in the reverse sense is if startups are then providing solutions, then how can government also understand and enable regulation to happen? But this conversation has already started with the Private Sector Foundation and the Innovation Village was also a part of this conversation on startup regulation. There's also a need for us to also step up and enable that this information is available for government to tap into and enable that they are providing a safe environment for startups to participate. The Innovation Village is focused on a very specific and I feel interesting approach to innovation. So would you tell us more about that? I can talk about the Innovation Village. Tell us about Future Lab. So with Future Lab, we again create value from innovation by working with corporates, understand their needs, 
and then leverage innovation to find solutions, but then also enabling startup corporate collaboration to address challenges within the ecosystem. With that, of course, a lot of organizations are very willing to innovate, but then what does that now look like in a practical form is, of course, the challenging part. That's now where we come in. And from the time that we have spent, we now understand that there is a top-down approach, but then also a bottom-up approach. So the Senior Executive Corporate Innovation Program is one of those that is supporting senior executives. So with the senior executive training, we are dipping in into those five areas that are needed for innovation to thrive, which is strategy, structure, resources, processes, and measurements. And we believe that as organizations grow and better understand innovation, so does the structure and process to enable corporate startup collaboration, which in turn creates more opportunities, not just for the startups, but even jobs. So with greater opportunities to scale businesses, to grow businesses, means that we are also then creating more jobs. That's true. There's something yeah. read about the training. If someone mentioned a quotation, if the accelerating pace of change and the threat of disruption is becoming the new normal, then companies really need to have a focused approach to innovation, which your program does seek to address. So who is your target? I understand executives, but what does that mean for a micro-entrepreneur? This training program is targeting corporates around the different sectors, um, especially those that have an influence over what is happening in the sectors. So if it's finance, then it's banks. If it's insurance, it's insurance companies. If it's tourism, it's the tourism associations that have been set up. From UTB to even the hotel associations, if we're talking about insurance, right, so, so insurance companies, that is the target. However, we also have programs that are also specific to, to startups and entrepreneurs. Of course, content differs. So this program is targeting, again, the companies that have heavy influence over different sectors. So it's not your no more small businesses. It's mainly big organizations, right? Yeah, but of course, there is something to be learned in everything. So of course, because there's also a financial implication to the training, we're open to all that can be able to come in and participate because we believe also this training is not just for corporate. If you are a growing startup and you're looking at scaling, this content also applies. Share with me, Samantha, what are the misconceptions around strategy that you've encountered with the Future Lab? I would say the, the most is the flexibility. At times, strategies are key to setting direction. However, strategy should also be fluid. Right now, as you said, it says times of rapid change. Change is always evolving. So when you make a strategy in November, definitely it has set direction right? But by March, things might have changed. So it's not to say that strategies need to be completely overhauled, but there needs to be a flexibility and adoption to that strategy. And of course, with that also still identifying how do we still keep accountability regardless of the flexibility within it. I think that's the, that I can think I can highlight the most is the rigidity in strategies to survive in this day you really need to have a growth learning mindset, not just with self, but then also within the organization. Thank you. I am enjoying this podcast because you're very articulate. In line with your role, what will it take for us to achieve a middle status economy? 
I would say collaboration across all stakeholders in the ecosystem. If it's investors, government, corporates, entrepreneurs, developmental agencies, collaboration. Because the more we work in silos, the more we're not tapping into each other's strengths. We're not tapping into existing solutions that are already creating an impact. And just one collaboration could create vast opportunities. So yeah, for me, I would say collaboration. Thank you. We better start now because we only have until 2040. Thank you for listening this far. Join the conversation. Hashtag on Uganda podcast. Write to us in the comment box below or any of our social media platforms. Share this podcast with your family, with your friends that might find this useful. Follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes to come. Oh, my God.